Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to another episode of Slow Pit Stop. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Hi guys. Mohammed has been away, but now he's back. Yeah, I was on a uh, vacation and I was thinking about this. You guys don't call it vacation, do you call it holiday? Why do you do that? Because uh, of its religious connotations and the holy days which we celebrate and mark with them. Okay, I get that. But like for us, a holiday is one day, you know, like Christmas is a holiday. And then mm. we go on vacation. Why do you go on holiday? How did that word association happen? Do you know what? I give you a very hard time about writing the date backwards. <laughs> so I'm going to concede here that you have found a weakness in, in, yes. in the English language. And uh, I, I accept your argument. <laughs> our, our Twitter followers have turned on me. They all are British, apparently. and None of them take my side. So I'm glad. I'm glad I get this win. <laughs> yes, I was on vacation and I've just come back. And while I was on vacation, apparently like so much happened in the world of F1. I know. Yeah, we have so much to catch up on. So the things we're going to discuss today is the new car launches and quickly go through our opinions on the new cars. Mm. I know me and you have some differing opinions yes. on some of them. Yes. We'll also go through Christian Horner putting his foot in his mouth. <laughs> I think this could become a regular section. I think we need a name for it, like Horner's Corner or something. <laughs> we'll talk about the testing that wasn't testing the implications yeah. of what's happening in Ukraine on Russian drivers and mm. Mazepin in F1. And uh, if we have time, maybe we'll even talk about Andretti a little bit. So mm. let's get into it. The new car launches, we had, we'll, we'll go through them in order of how they came out, mm. well, officially, so to speak. So Haas were first on the 4th of February. They launched a CGI image of their car. It's the first time they've ever been first in anything. <laughs> and uh, I, I really have nothing else to say about it at the minute. I was going to say, I like that um, their car seemed developed. It, like, it looked like they put the time in from last year into actually making a car. But I don't know anything about aerodynamics or, like, the powertrain or, like, any any of that to say, oh, this is a good car or not. But yeah. I was at least appreciative of the fact that they seem to be trying. And as, like, yeah. the only American team, it's good to have a team that's that they're, they're not, like, yeah, we're, we're we're last place. We're going to stay last place forever. At least they want it to, to be better. But I was very unimpressed with their livery. Their livery is awful. I know. Just just a note for our listeners. Muhammad and I have no engineering knowledge yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> so when we are rating these cars, it is purely on the paint the jobs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> vibes and the paint job. So the Haas, big thumbs down. But obviously that's changed. But we'll get to that in a little bit. After that, we then had, on the 9th of February, the Red Bull. You want to rate these a... out of 10? Let's rate the cars out of 10. Okay. So how, uh, how do you rate Haas? So I, I think there's only really one question here with the Haas rating. Yeah. Does our scale start at 0 out of 10 or 1 out of 10? <laughs> Uh, zero out of ten. Yeah. Zero. Okay. Well, there, yeah. there's your answer then. Zero. <laughs> no, I'd give them a two. I'll give them two for effort. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so next up, Red Bull. So on the 9th of February, Red Bull launched their car, and they, they put on this big show and dance, and they didn't even show us their car. It was the generic show car that Formula One has, and they just put their paint on it. They announced their big deal with Oracle, who's some sort of IT company. 
and subsequently they've announced their big deal with Bybit, Bibit. Hmm. How'd you pronounce it? I don't know. I actually didn't hear about that. I knew about Oracle. What is this, Bibit? Bybit, yeah. It's a cryptocurrency company and it's across their front wheel now, so front wing. So between Oracle and oh. Bibit, their entire budget is covered. So Dietrich Mateschitz, the owner of Red Bull, is no longer having to put money into the project. He's, wow. he's basically getting free advertising for Red Bull, and these other people are paying him for it. And that's what's allowed. You know, It's a news story at the minute that Max Verstappen is getting a big payday, 50 million euros. A lot of people are upset about it. I think, I don't know, it's not our world. The company will want to pay him as little as possible. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's just his market value right now. Yeah. But what I think is funny is what people are complaining about is uh, Helmut Marko from mm-hmm. the Red Bull organization complained that Hamilton was too expensive for Formula One and yeah, is being yeah. paid too much. <laughs> and it's the exact same as what Verstappen's being paid. So but I think that's what it is. Nobody out there is actually saying that, you know, he doesn't deserve 50 million euros. Most people are saying that the hypocrisy is Helmut Marko was saying Lewis shouldn't get paid that much money. And now, not now Max is getting paid that much. And I feel like Lewis should get paid more than 50. You know, like there's some athletes who make a crazy amount of money and aren't as successful as Lewis Hamilton is. So, you know, that's yeah, I think where the comparison comes is Lewis officially, at least as a seven times world champion, you know, he, he's got, 103 race wins max is obviously very very good and uh, what people will say on the other side is you know that the last year at least both of these guys are on a different level when you look Mm -hmm. at races they're 20 30 seconds ahead of third Mm -hmm. place so they they are the best in formula one and i can see why from a performance level the audience is split and max has so many fans and i i I get that and I, i heard somebody say you know, we're lucky that both of them are there because if mm-hmm. it was just the one of them, they would totally dominate every other yeah. driver on the grid. So yeah. I can see why they're both being paid the same from Red Bull's point of view. I think what's more telling is that supposedly this deal is four or five years. Mm-hmm. So Max has seen something in the car that has put his faith in the new regulations that makes him go, this is a winning car. This is somewhere I should stay for the next four or five years. You know, he's not said, I'll is stay here for one though? year. Because, you know, like the drivers will sometimes sign these long-term deals with escape clauses. And I think what he's yeah. trying to, I mean, in my, what I, what I got from his four to five year deal is that, you know, it's almost like rewarding Red Bull. Like, look, um, you guys gave me a championship winning car. So I'm going to give you my loyalty for the next few years. But like, let's say two years from now, the car is really bad. And you know, they're fourth in the championship. He's going to leave. He's not going to stay with them for yeah, the entire contract. That's true. So, um, Verstappen yeah. to Aston Martin called it now. And the other thing was that people were saying if Red Bull didn't give Verstappen uh, a championship winning car, he would have left. Like that was the rumors in 2020 or whatever. So because he has won the championship, it's like he's almost saying there no to the rumors. Like, no, my future yeah. is with Red Bull. So that, that that's kind of how it's, I don't necessarily know that he's seen something in the car exactly. that indicates that it's it's strong. I don't I don't think any of the drivers really know how their no. cars stack up against the others. And then finally, the other thing that people, you know, when they're talking about should Lewis be paid more? Is it right he's being paid as much as Max and things? Uh, the thing we need to remember is um, Lewis isn't white. So 10th of February, the Aston Martin was released. This is a very, very Wait, we good have car. To rate the car. Rate the Red oh, Bull. Oh, yeah. Red Bull. Uh, so because they failed to even show us their car, 
they also get a zero from me. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Because before winter testing, everyone thought, oh, the cars are only going to be the show cars. No one's going to show their real car. But Red Bull is the only one who actually did that. They're such goobers. I'm going to give them a zero out of ten. That was horrible. I know. Yeah. So zero there. So two less than Haas. Anyway, <laughs> Aston Martin released on the 10th of February. They released their actual car. They drove it around Silverstone. They showed us that yes. it worked. <laughs> and wow, is it amazing. It is nice. It's, it's the paint sleek. job, the front wing, all of it. I mean, it's going to be slow. We know that. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not going to do well, but it will look very, very good while it's being very, very average. <laughs> Why do you think it's going to be slow? What makes you think that? Just because Aston Martin is slow? No, I think th- their facilities are undergoing a big new re- redevelopment oh, project. Right. Yeah. They're getting a lot of change in management, so I think they're investing correctly they're they're doing all the things they need to do to be potentially you know a a, a top team in five mm-hmm. six seven years whatever but i don't think it's going to happen overnight you know they're still building their new wind tunnel and whatever else they're doing so i think they're positioning themselves to give themselves the best chance in the future but it's not going to be this year so what do you think that means for seb's future because uh i'm curious if how long is he going to stay with this team that's not ever going to compete you know in the, in the yeah. top so the rumors is that you know he's actually very very well liked by the team because mm-hmm. he has been to top places like red bull like ferrari mm-hmm. and he can bring knowledge of systems and i mean systems of how you organize how you decide this is how we develop we're mm-hmm. going to ignore that bit we're going to pay attention to this bit mm-hmm. so apparently he's bringing a lot of technical knowledge that mm-hmm. way and how to set up the place. And I don't know, maybe he'll get to a point where he decides to retire, but keep a long-term partnership with Aston Martin. And yeah. maybe he'll go off and do a bit of World Endurance Championship with them or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They they did get podiums last year. And I think mm-hmm. it wouldn't be unreasonable for, you know, if Sebastian has a very, very good race and the luck is on their side for them to get a couple of podiums or something. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I don't think they'll get a race win this year. Maybe I'll be yeah. totally wrong, but who knows? I, mean, I really like the car, like you said. Uh, yeah, my favorite solid. one. Oh, really? Now I was going to give it 7 out of 10. I like it a lot. It looks sleek on the track. It looks like almost like a panther, like prowling. I really like yeah. the side pods on this car. It looks great. Other cars. Yeah, absolutely. I hope they do well. I'm giving it 10 out of 10. Wow. Okay. All right. Bold. Just on vibes alone, remember. In terms <laughs> yeah, of performance, alone, yeah. it'll probably be a 4. <laughs> no no I, I i it's all vibes this is all vibes yeah, we're not exactly. doing this professionally <laughs> so then on the 11th of february mclaren released their car they put on a whole big event they released their formula one car their indie car their extreme e car mm-hmm. and their like shadow online racing car mm-hmm. and i don't know between all four cars they couldn't put one good livery together <laughs> You didn't like the shadow livery? The shadow livery is so good. Yeah, okay, really the online like the one is better. Livery. The online one is better. <laughs> but they, they've messed up the Formula 1 car. The IndyCar one is better than the Formula 1 car. I don't know what they've done. So, you know, they had this, like, little teaser out the day before their actual car came out. And it, it implied that, like, the nose was going to be this really nice dark color with, like, the inverted McLaren logo. And I got really excited. I thought that's what it was going to be. 
and it, it's not that. I still like it. I like it more than the Aston Martin uh, controversially. I'm going to give them an 8 out of 10. I like the blue and the orange mixture. How? It's not, I like the you? blue and orange looks good together. They're nice I just colors. need to point something out. I just need to point something out. <laughs> the listeners can't see our face because we don't record video. But I don't wear glasses and Muhammad does. So just remember yeah. that. <laughs> How can you say this car is better than the Aston Martin? Look at it. It's confused. It looks good from one angle, that sort of aerial shot pointing down at it around the corner in Barcelona. It, just one angle, this car looks good. At every other angle, you're thinking, what, what has happened here? None of the lines match up. The colors bleed into different places. Why are there so many colors going on? It's only just... two colors. It's orange and blue. I like it. The and black. Orange and, uh, the black, every car has some black in it. You got to ignore the black. The orange and blue... I don't know. I, I like the way the color combo comes together. It's a nice, it's a nice sky blue, and a, the papaya orange. But I will say their shadow car is a lot better. They should have gone with that livery for the for yeah. the real thing. So we put on a vote on our Twitter page, and I asked which McLaren livery is better, twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, and sixty six percent of people voted twenty twenty two. Now I'll admit this go. is my fault because <laughs> I should have put a third option in of the livery is no good at all. And my feeling is that would have won. But alas, I, I, I worded the question poorly. <laughs> I, I I tricked you into wording it in a way that yeah. makes me look like I'm right. <laughs> yeah. So the next, quest, the next question, the next team that released their car was AlphaTauri hmm. on Valentine's Day. And there was a lot of chat about this car because people were looking at it and trying to work out... What the Red Bull looks like? Yeah, well, how much of this car is going to be related to the Red Bull? And there was chat about push rod and pull rod and all these different suspension yeah. things. All of those words don't mean anything to us because we have no idea what we're talking about. So again, <laughs> pure vibes. I'm disappointed in the paint job. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I was expecting... Just something original. To me, this is kind of like how the eventual Red Bull livery uh, looked like. So similar to the ones in years past. And that's how I feel off a tour. I'm going to give them a 5 out of 10. They could have yeah. done something better. Exactly. I think the, the the paint jobs that they've had last year and the year before have been so much better. Mm -hmm. The way the words are on the side, no good. The it's weird... like a gray blue. Like the car yeah. is going to blend what into the, the muck of the, you know, it's not going to stick out. Like, I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> Alphatori um, is the forgotten child of Red Bull. They just they forget that they're oh, there. Oh, we forgot. We're, we forgot our own game. The McLaren. What are we giving it out of ten? Oh, I give them eight out of ten. What did you give them? No, I'll give them a four. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to give Alphatori a four as well because it's just as bad. <laughs> I'm giving them a five. I'm okay five. with my five. Yeah, down the okay. down the middle of the road. So the next car that came out was the Williams. Hmm. What do you think of the Williams? So I didn't like last year their livery. I thought it was horrible. I would have given that last year livery a 2 out of 10. I feel like this year is a big step up. I feel like they finally made that color scheme work for them. I prefer the white though from from before. So I'll give them another I'll give them like a 6 out of 10 cuz it's it works a little bit better than last year, but I still prefer it when they were like white colored. I think the thing is in recent years the Williams livery has been changing a lot. Yeah. Because when 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 I when you say Williams, you know the, the image that comes into my mind is like the 1992 Nigel Mansell car, yeah. or um, you know more recent history, the, the white with the Martini livery, yeah, Valtteri, Massa, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I, f I feel like they're trying different things every year. Yeah. And I'm not quite fan what they want. Mm. 
And so when I saw this, I didn't think much of it. And then I saw it on track and I saw the side profile. Yeah, and I think it looks really good. I'm going to be really controversial Mm. here and give it a 9 out of 10. Wow. The only thing I don't like is the little red accents because they've gone with like Mm. a variety of blues with these tiny little red accents on the car. And I feel if that red was also a different shade of blue, this car would be perfect. No, I think they need to cut through the blue a little bit. So I, I, I see what you mean. I feel like all the cars look good on track, honestly. Like, I haven't seen a car on track that looks bad, so I'm not going to give them points for looking good on track, but I will say that they it's a step up from last year for sure. Last year, I, I hated that livery so much. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good with 6 out of 10. So speaking of a big step up from last year, on the 17th of February, we got to meet the new Ferrari. Mm. The F-175. Do you know why it's called the F-175? 75 years or something. They're they're vowing to be number one again after 75 years in Formula yeah, 1. Yeah, so it's been like, yeah. what, 72 years of Formula 1 or something like that? <laughs> so 75 years ago, the first car that was badged as a Ferrari was mm-hmm. released. But the Ferrari company existed for like five years before that or something. So what they were doing for those years, not putting their name on the cars. I don't know what they were doing. But apparently it's been 75 years since they have put their name on a car and what a car they put their name on. I've heard lots of rumors that aerodynamically this car makes no sense. It may end up being terrible. Other people are saying they've figured it out. This is going to be brilliant. I have no idea, but I think it looks amazing. Yeah, I think it looks really good. The first thought I had when I saw this car, more so than any of the cars before it, were, and this is the last car I saw before I went on vacation, was that this car looks fast. Like, it actually looks like it's fast. And I remember somebody saying online, I I don't remember who, but they were like, you know, uh, Ferrari went all in on the aerodynamics uh, as for how much they're allowed to do because, like, they're, they've limited the aerodynamics this year. But they've gone in as much as they can. They've made it as aerodynamically fast as possible, whereas the other teams like Mercedes are going for, like, a balance between aerodynamics and power and things like that. So if that's what they're gambling on is pure aerodynamics, then I think that if that's what's going to work this this year – they're going to be the fastest on the grid because that car looks really, really fast. So I'm going to give them a, a 10 out of 10. That look, car is really nice. They've got these deep cuts into the side pod. Yeah. That, you know, I, I've seen people put pictures online of like a road inside them and things like that. Uh-huh. My favorite tweet, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who tweeted this. Give us a shout out on Twitter if you can. But my favorite tweet about the side pods on the Ferrari was damn i could wash a baby in that (laughs) (laughs) they are very deep it's like a bowl i I think i saw somebody like say like oh this is my cereal bowl and they're like eating cereal out of it so it's great (laughs) but Um, i like that they added the the little i don't know the what they're called like the scales they look like for the for the airflow this is how little i know about aerodynamics louvers yeah i like that it looks good Um, it looks good yeah it makes it look good yeah, I like the black wing mm-hmm. concept as well. Mm-hmm. But what we're we giving it as a rating, I'm going to have to give it 9 out of 10. I'm giving it 10 out of 10. I love it. So the next car released was the W13 by Mercedes. There you go. Big event. Lewis came back to the media. George was there. They had all their Mercedes juniors. What do you think of this car? Oh, man. So this is the other car that just my gut instinct when I saw it was this is a fast car. You know, like exactly the same way I felt with Ferrari. 
it, it just so it's not as aerodynamically shaped as the Ferrari, but you can tell that there is a combination of aerodynamics and power from the engine. And I'm just so excited for it. And I love delivery. So, okay, there's that whole thing about will the Silver Arrows return. And I was kind of nervous to see, like, how are they going to go back to the Silver Arrow look after having this menacing Darth Vader look for the past couple of years. But I really like it. I really like the how they put the Mercedes logo spackled around the back and the, and the mix of the Petronas green and, and the red. I think I just think everything comes together really well. This is an, another 10 out of 10 for me. You know, the weight, the different cars are like poised in a different position. So you look yeah. at the Aston Martin, the front nose is quite high. Yeah. The, I don't know if it's whether to do with the side pods are so small on the Mercedes or something mm-hmm. where the wheel is so far back, but the poise of that car, it reminds me a lot of, you know, the Pagani Zonda. With the oh yeah. Yeah. Lewis's car. There's something about it that it, it just reminds me of that. Hmm. Again, I'm going to give it nine out of 10, not 10 out of 10. The only just... car that's going to get a 10 is the Aston Martin. Yes. I think <laughs> I I like minimalism, maybe. Yeah. Um, like the Ferrari is just that red <clears throat> and black. The Aston Martin it's is just, just green. the green and yellow. Yeah. For me, the Mercedes, it's got the silver, it's got a bit of black, it's got the Petronas green, mm-hmm. or is it blue? Mm-hmm. We're going to call it shiny blue because shiny our sister blue. podcast will, get in, will, will put us in trouble. Or shiny green, whatever that is. But yeah. the red, the Ineos logo, I don't know. I know they have to go in the Ineos red, but I wish that was a different color. To me, it's, again, one color too many. Hmm. But after that, we had the release of the Alpine, who released two cars with two different liveries. Yeah, both are awful. <laughs> yeah. So one's blue with, like, pink detail, and one's pink with blue detail. So who's the guy that runs BWT? What's, do, you, do you know his name off the type of your head? Uh, no. So when he when when Aston Martin turned from Racing Point into Aston Martin, he like called Lawrence Stroll. He had a whole thing with him. He's like, "You have to keep the car pink because pink cars shine on track." And I don't really care about the aesthetics. I just want my billboard to be the one that everyone looks at because it's such a bright pink. And then Lawrence Stroll was like, "No, we're going to go with the British Racing Green." So it's no surprise to me that now that they've switched to Alpine, their car is some hideous monstrosity that just acts as an eyesore so you look at it immediately and say oh hey there's the you know what though what's that it's so bad i kind (laughs) of like it (laughs) it looks like cotton candy it looks like a kid drew this in their like like... bubble gum mixed up you know when you do that as kids you're like (laughs) i'm gonna take one strawberry flavor and one blueberry flavor i'm gonna mush them together and invent something new like yeah (laughs) that's what it reminds me of it's so bad that i actually (laughs) like it and i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten the Alpine blue is a lot nicer of a blue than the Williams or the Alphatori. The Alphatori is horrible. So I really like that blue. I, if the pink were like a white or like a black or like something else that hit with that blue better, I'd probably honestly give it like a 9 out of 10 because I really like the blue. But with this awful pink, ugh, I, <laughs> I'm giving that a 4 out of 10. That's a 4 out of 10 for me. And then finally, Alfa Romeo revealed their car. What do you think of this? So I actually liked it. Alfa Romeo has had the same kind of color scheme for a long time. I feel like they know what they're doing with it. They know how to make it fit. I don't know. It's good. I'm going to give them 8 out of 10. It's very – sorry, not Alfa Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo is just very them, and um, it's not too many colors, like you said. I I like it. I'm going to give them 8 out of 10. I'm going to give it 9 because wow. I think it's so close to being great. Hmm. I love the red that they've used. Mm-hmm. I love how shiny it is. I love that 
the Alfa Romeo words are so big across the side mm-hmm, of it. It mm-hmm. looks like a you know very classic styled racing car. My problem is the nose. Hmm. That red nose, and the red doesn't even go all the way. The tip of the nose is white again. I feel if they'd just gone with the whole front half of the car being totally white, it would have been even better. And I feel they were so close to making one of the best looking cars on the grid and they've ruined it oh. with that red nose. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I, I see your point. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my 8 out of 10. It's a, it's a nice car. They did a good job. Well, we put Over. a poll out again on our Twitter asking people which car looked better. Was it the Ferrari or the Aston Martin? And we have a third option of I can't choose. And 36% went Ferrari, 46% went Aston Martin, wow. and 18% said they couldn't choose. Wow, Aston Martin over Ferrari? Huh. I know. I agree. But <laughs> speaking of also other people that can't seem to choose, Christian Horner seemed to not be able to choose his words very correctly recently. <laughs> did you hear what he said? No, what did he say recently? So he was on a radio show in the UK and people were asking about, I can't I was drive to survive or something. And he was like, oh, yes, you know, it's brought in a lot of young girls because they see the drivers now and these good looking guys, blah, blah, blah. And the this generated lots of discussion. There was pushback from wait, wait, wait. The, he said he said they're only watching Formula One for the drivers. Like that's why yeah, because girls are watching. Engineering is too complicated for girls, obviously. <laughs> um, or they so, just can't like the sport. They just can't like people driving. And yeah, it has wow. time and maths. Those aren't girl things, are they? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I know. So, but there was a lot of pushback, and he was asked about it the next day at the uh, team principal's press conference as well. Mm-hmm. He should have just said, "Like I'm sorry," but he just <laughs> he kept trying to say, "No, I, I was talking about it." I don't know. I'm not even going to try and justify or explain his position. But this led on to lots of other chat online. And there was a good space on Twitter about Mm -hmm. misogyny and motorsport Mm -hmm. and how some things can just be insidious. And there was a really interesting phrase that the presenter, Anna Tarkov, used, which was to do with drip, drip, drip. It's like water torture. Mm-hmm. And it's just these little things that constantly happen. So mm-hmm. we're going to link that space below. So if you have time, give it a listen. It was really, really interesting. Uh, and I think you'll learn a lot from it. But my feeling going forwards is Christian Horner is going to find new ways every week of saying something he shouldn't. <laughs> and I would love to dedicate part of the show to it. We need to work out what this segment of the show is called. Horner's Corner <laughs> isn't great, but if... If people can tweet in suggestions or Mohammed, you have a thing, I think we'll get a lot of mileage from this. You know, um, we were kind of talking about in a previous episode about these drivers. Um, Our guest uh, from the 44, she called it, she called them thirst trappers. So I think they they do exist. To say that there's no thirst trappers, it's, I mean, we've seen them. But they're definitely a fringe. They're a very small minority that's very vocal on Twitter to imply that all the women that are into Formula One are thirst trappers is just so mind-bogglingly bad. Like, I don't know why he thought that, and I don't know why he doubled down. Like, why is that his strategy for everything is to double down? Why can't he just take two steps back and be like, yeah, I said something wrong. I don't know. What? He's insane. Goober. (laughs) He's a goober. (laughs) Is this the word of the day now? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so next, uh, I think we just wanted to quickly touch on the testing that wasn't testing. So there was a lot mm. of pushback that 
oh, it's not being televised, we can't see it. And then Will Buxton came on and said, well, the reason you can't see it is it's not really testing, it's a shakedown. But ever since, everyone else is calling it testing. So who knows what this was. But Ferrari seemed to do the best with 439 laps, Mercedes 393 laps, McLaren 365, and Red Bull 358 why why does the laps matter? I've never really paid attention to winter testing because in my mind, like, it didn't really matter. You know, in qualifying, yeah. we're going to see what cars are actually fast. But this year, because it's all new regulations, I wanted to see, like, the jump. But yeah. I don't know why it's important that Ferrari has the most laps or George Russell got this many laps or, like, why, like, why is that important? So the point of the first test, from my understanding, is to see if the data that you're seeing on the track – is correlating with what you're getting in your simulations and your mm. wind tunnel and all of that. So you're not going for out and out pace just now. Mm-hmm. You're going for is the tools that we're using are our tools accurate? Because if they're not, then our whole development pipeline is is screwed. Mm-hmm. But if the information that we're getting is correct, mm-hmm. great. And if you're able to run more laps, it's because you're not having problems. Mm. Like Haas ran 160 laps. So they're probably coming up to, okay, we've put all this effort in the car, but we expected, you know, the front yeah. wing to do this. It seems to be doing this in reality. Why is it doing mm. that? So they go back to the drawing board. So the more time you spend on track, the implication is the less problems you have and the more that your tools to develop are accurate and mm. therefore your development this year is going to be stronger. That's what the teams are going for. So if you looked at this list right now and you said this is the ranking of the World uh, Constructors' Championship, would you say that's accurate or no? Like Ferrari in first, then Mercedes, then McLaren, or or no? Like you I mean, can't it could correlate be. it. The, I, I think the, there's no reason why it couldn't be. Mm. In terms of out-and-out out pace, there's no reason why the Mercedes couldn't be faster than Ferrari or the McLaren or the Red Bull. Mm-hmm. But I think what this tells us is the Ferrari is consistent, it's Mm -hmm. doing what they want it to do, and they're Mm -hmm. able to just push it, push it, push it. And they're gathering loads of data. Obviously, Ferrari will find a way to Ferrari themselves. (laughs) The other teams that have run lots of mileage will use this to come up with really, really good strategies in the race, Mm -hmm. have a better understanding of their car. So yeah, I think this could be what the Constructors' Championship ends. My feeling is Mercedes and Red Bull are going to be one and two or, do you know what, I'm going to keep Ferrari in the top three. I'm going to say Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull. But I think we are looking at the top four. I'm going to say something very, very bold. I'm going to say Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, Red Bull. And I say that because Red Bull ti- uh, topped, I'm sorry, not Red Bull, uh, McLaren topped the timing sheets like on the first two days. And then somebody was saying online, some other article person, analyst, was saying that the McLaren is a lot faster than even the team uh, had thought it was going to be and uh, it seems like it's okay. going to be a bit of a dark horse come out of nowhere and be yeah. fast i also i'm not going to count out ferrari i think that they have learned from their 2019 engine mistake and they've they've come back stronger um and you can never count out lewis hamilton and mercedes but i think red bull has really shot themselves in the foot by ignoring last year and, de- and pushing their development until the winter and i think that's gonna push them down i don't think i'm i, I really would be surprised if they are second or third honestly so I don't know. We'll see. That's my bold prediction. It will depend on Daniel Ricardo, though. So that's what's gonna it's gonna come down to. How exciting! Next, we wanted to talk about what was happening in Ukraine. Mm. 
more from a motorsport and Formula One perspective, obviously it's a tragic, messy, complicated situation. Both of us are idiots. We're not going to be able to do justice to something that's very, very complicated. But we did want to touch on how the news was developing and the implications for Russian drivers. So there was the IOC statement, actually before even that, at testing, Haas took all the Ural Kali colors off the car, so it stopped mm-hmm. looking like a big Russian flag. And um, they took it off their trailer and their trucks and all of that, which to me said, okay, this is something more permanent. And then the IOC released a statement. And then even before that, they canceled the Russian GP, which was big news because yeah. there's a question mark on whether they would even cancel the Russian GP. And then they did it pretty fast too. Like the next day, they canceled it, which showed that the momentum was against uh, was against Russia. So the IOC statement was, you know, it said wherever possible, basically the IOC generally wants people to keep participating in sports. And it says that they have some sort of Olympic truce that they want people to engage in Mm. and allow people from every country to be able to participate in sports. And it felt that Russia wasn't honoring the Olympic truce. Uh, And in their statement, they, they said, this is a dilemma. Let me find it. So they said it's on a mission to contribute to peace through sport and to unite the world. The Olympic movement is united in its sense of fairness, not to punish athletes for the decisions of their governments. Mm -hmm. The current war in Ukraine, however, puts the Olympic movement in a dilemma. While athletes from Russia and Belarus would be able to continue to participate, many athletes from Ukraine are prevented from doing so because of the attack on their country. And it said, uh, I'll quote it, this is a dilemma which cannot be solved. So they acknowledge mm. there's a sporting unfairness here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they've recommended not to allow people from uh, Russia or uh, Belarusian athletes mm-hmm. to compete. They said where this is not possible on short notice or for legal reasons, they urge them to, you know, have no flags or official colors and, you know, to just let people race in mm-hmm. neutral situations. And then it says, wherever in very extreme circumstances, even this is not possible on short notice, the IOC leaves it to the relevant organization. Hmm. Do you know much about what's been going on with the story? You, you'll have missed all of this, wouldn't you? I well, think so you're on a plane at this point. I, I caught some of it. This is oh, here. I'll tell you what I know, and then you fill in the details. Mm-hmm. So from what I have seen, the IOC came out with this statement, and then people thought like that means Nikita Mazepin won't be able to to race but then there's some issue about like if russian sanctions hit Eurocali, they won't be able to pay Haas, and if they can't pay Haas, then the kid loses his seat anyway um and so that was like the conversation and then there was going to be like a meeting about that but from the world motorsport council and i remember everyone was waiting for like you know what their decision was going to be and then they came out with like a vague decision about like we don't want any russian licenses or something like that but then silverstone like the british uh motorsport council uh who runs silverstone they were like no we're just gonna say no russian drivers am i getting most of that correct yeah so every country has its own motorsport federation or whatever and they all come together as the world council which is Mm -hmm. led by the fia Mm -hmm. so the fia to its basically passed the buck they said we advise that you should race with neutral things. We're not going to stop anyone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were upset with them because they said, you know, other sports, football, whatever else is mm-hmm. saying no to Russian athletes mm-hmm. because it sends a strong message about what Russia is doing. 
other people were saying, well, it's unfair on the athletes, you know, because they don't compete as Russia. They compete as individual athletes. Mm -hmm. And then someone said, well, actually, there's an even bigger loophole because in other sports, while you compete as, you know, if you're from Russia, you compete under the Russian flag because you have a Russian passport. Mm -hmm. Formula One drivers, their license doesn't necessarily have to come from the same country their passport is from. Mm. So Nico Rosberg in his life has at points raced under the Finnish flag and at points raced under the German flag Wow! because his father's Finnish. But he grew up in Monaco. He could have raced under the Monaco flag as well. And Michael Schumacher, you know, in episode seven, when we talked about he was too young to get a German karting license. So what did he do? He got a Luxembourg license. Hmm. So Russian drivers, if they have, you know, dual nationality or whatever, these other organizations could give them a license if they wanted and they could bypass the whole thing altogether mm-hmm. and then you know what does that say about the spirit of the rules versus how the rule was intended mm-hmm. so the uk motorsport association just came out flat out and said no russians allowed to compete mm-hmm. so mazepin is banned from racing at the british grand prix i feel like Again, this is a very, very complicated situation and both of us are quite ignorant on it. You know, Chris Medlin talked about this is important to stop these athletes because if you think it's unfair to them, it's more unfair to what's happening to the people of Ukraine. Other people are saying, you're punishing small fish. You need to go after, you know, these big oligarchs and the people that are actually Mm -hmm. in control and in power. Going after small fish doesn't do anything. It's symbolic you need to do real things to save lives. I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is. I just, I don't even know how to word this. My worry is actually it will all just come down to, like Lewis said, cash is king. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen plenty of tragedies in the world. You look at Yemen. We still raced in Saudi. Look mm-hmm. at Hong Kong. Look at the Uyghur genocide. Mm-hmm. We still race in China. Mm-hmm. We still race in lots of places with questionable records Mm -hmm. and you know when the uk and usa invaded iraq we didn't ban british drivers from driving so Mm -hmm. it's a complicated situation and i feel like actually the only thing that matters to the fia is cash and Hmm. the fact that russian assets all over the place are being frozen and Mm ural cali money isn't going to be coming in i think that is what is driving things rather than any moral standpoint that the fia might have so, yeah, I definitely agree that there is no moral standpoint from the FIA, 100%. But I, I think about this a lot, you know, about do we, is it punishing the athletes for the actions of their government? And I, I actually think that punishing the athletes punishes the government. I, and again, I've thought about it a lot because in the context of other, you know, wars that we've had recently, like Russia and Syria, Israel and Palestine, the Uyghur yeah. genocide, as you, as you've mentioned, like this isn't the first war that's happened in the last decade. And, and I feel like when, when we do these kinds of things on individual people who are, who are, in sort of positions of representation because the athletes are still representing their country. We are, you know, making a statement to the country that we're against what you're doing. It is still, it's still making a statement and maybe, yeah, it's not going to turn the tide of the war, but it it is going to make a statement that you are isolated in what you're doing and it's not okay. And also like specifically a lot of athletes, they, 
directly um, are advantaged by the actions of their government. Like, you know, the, the U.S. Olympic Committee, for example, is directly, they get their funding from the U.S. government. And I, I don't agree with the double standard. I think when America and the U.K. invaded Iraq, they should have done things like that to us as well. You know, like our athletes should have been banned from events to show that it wasn't okay. The fact that they didn't do that doesn't mean that what's happening now in Russia, that they shouldn't do it to, to the Russian athletes. And so, like, Nikita Mazepin specifically, his dad is an oligarch. His yeah. dad is funding the war. So by affecting his son, that is not like an indirect, you know, oh, Nikita is, is innocent. His dad is the one paying for his seat, and his dad yeah. is using the same money to fund the war. Like, it's a direct connection. And, yep. and I think a lot of athletes, that, that connection is there like that. So, I don't know. I I, I agree with Chris Medland. I, I think that sometimes you do need to, to make large symbolic statements. Sometimes symbolism helps, man. Like, you know, the fact that they're not going to do this kneeling anymore before the yeah. the Formula One race, and they're saying, oh, because it's just symbolic. But you know what? I liked it because at least yeah. the sport was saying something. And they're like, okay, we're going to make actual action. But now there's no one there to hold them accountable for doing actual action. Whereas at least before they were having that video, they were doing the kneeling ceremony. There was something. So I don't know. But you're it's right. Tough. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. Definitely. Uh- I hope whatever they do and whatever gets done saves lives, saves children, mm-hmm. saves you know people from having to go through all this destruction everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the situation is resolved very, very quickly. And I hope Nikita doesn't get to race in uh, Formula One next year. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> but speaking of Haas and Nikita Mazepin's seat, this has led to new questions of... Andretti coming and taking over Haas. Mm. So as you know, Mario Andretti was a Formula One world champion back in the day. And his son, Michael, now runs Andretti Global. Mm. So how big is Andretti in the US? What do they, what do they have? They've got IndyCar teams, right? Yeah, everyone knows Andretti with IndyCar. Like, or the people who are into that stuff, everyone associates yeah. Andretti with IndyCar. So yeah. Mario put out a tweet on the 18th of February, which was Michael has applied to the FIA to field a new F1 team starting in 2024. His entry, Andretti Global, has the resources and checks every box. He is awaiting the FIA's determination. So this was quite interesting. You know, Mario Andretti, a very well-respected person in motorsport, a world champion, basically putting out in public saying, look, we're here. Mm-hmm. You need to open the door and let us in. Because they tried to buy Alfa Romeo or the mm-hmm. Sauber team. That didn't happen. They've apparently tried multiple times to buy Haas, but Gene Haas mm-hmm. doesn't want to budge. So they said, fine, we'll bring our own team. And, you know, th- putting it out as a tweet like this in the public space, obviously loads of people are going to go wild because I-, I want an Andretti team in Formula 1. Yeah, I think that would yeah. be great. Yeah. So obviously now they've got public opinion on their side as well. Mm-hmm. And they've basically put the ball in the FIA's court and said, it's down to you to tell people why you're not letting us in now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I like it. I know that, um, I I don't think they're going to take over Haas. I don't think, so Gene Haas has come out recently and said like, he has the money to run Haas, even without Eurocully. Like he's very confident about that. I think he wants to project strength and not be like, yeah, I'm dependent on this Russian oligarch to run my team. So I think Andretti coming in as a new team would be really, really cool. And it would be our first new team since Haas, actually. And uh, I don't know if the FI is going to go for it because... Do you know what the problem is? What's the problem? So right now, the pie 
gets divided in 10. Uh. Okay, so all the teams get a certain amount of money. If Andretti came in, the pie would suddenly be getting divided by 11. Hmm. To try and prevent that, Andretti has to pay for their part of the pie for the next two years. I think it's like 200 million that they have to just give to the other teams to Hmm. say, please, can we come and play with you? Now, Zach Brown from McLaren, who I think has some sort of role in the Andretti Global stuff as well, Mm -hmm. has come out. Well, if you think about it, Andretti's a huge name. They're going to bring in American drivers. They're going to bring Mm -hmm. in American audience. The amount of value that they add to Formula One is going to far outweigh the dilution Mm -hmm. that every team will be stronger anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, even even people like Toto Wolff are like, mm, we have to be sure that Andretti's bringing good value in mm. because he knows his slice of the pie is going to get smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think Andretti's put together something good. They're rich. They know how to race. They've got an engine yeah. deal with Renault. Yeah. I hope this all comes through because yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. They already have an engine deal. Like, they are so serious about this. They want Colton Herta to be their driver. He's yeah. already been in the sim. Like, that's pretty crazy. Like, they're very confident that this is going to yeah. happen. So I, it excites me. I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hoping it happens. I hope it does. And it's just the, the, the greed of the other teams that's, that's stopping it for now. Yeah. But you know, they're like the greed, you can get through that because Red Bull had to pull strings to get the engine freeze undone. And there's like a whole thing with that too. So I think it's possible, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The engine development freeze and then now exactly. Honda's Oh we'll hang around a little bit actually. Why? Lol. Yeah, yeah, yeah Honda, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, I think Uber. that's us pretty much caught up on the things that have happened in February. <laughs> We're quite excited for the new season, I think. We'll be oh, back yeah. again next week with another episode. Oh, we've got some great episodes coming up, actually. We've got a couple of episodes of Donuts and Drivers with some very special guests that I'm not going to spoil just now. We have a technical episode coming up after the next testing mm-hmm. with another Twitter celeb that I won't spoil just now. There's loads of things coming up. Oh, and we're going to be doing our own race as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm very nervous for that. People want me to go out and literally run. I do not intend on doing any I'm going to be very comfortable in my car. Doing how, this race, you, how, you far, run how, around. Far is, how far is your end of the race? Oh, like, I, I think it's like eight miles. Okay, so how long does that go in your little like dune buggy that you drive as a car? How far is uh, it? How fast is that? <laughs> I think it's like 20 30 minutes, depending on okay. traffic. All right, so that's that what be we're just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Remember to follow us on at slow pit stop on Instagram and Twitter. And remember to visit us on thatgoodmedia.com. All right, guys. Thank you so much. See you later. Bye. Oh, they're slow. It's a slow pit stop, Trophy. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.